1: What an honor it is to have Pastor Shane Eidelman with me on the phone. It's been way too long. Pastor Shane, how are you, sir?
2: Oh, Phil, it has been way too long. We're doing good. We're out here in California, and it's going to be at least 100 degrees today, so a little warmer than where you're at
1: (laughs) and your audience. Uh, We've had some hot days, but uh, you guys get those on a fairly regular basis. So we've got a lot to cover today. You've got another article that you have written that is getting a lot of attention nationally, and uh, we're going to dive into that here in a second. That's how you and I met, for goodness sakes. I I just appreciated the things that you were writing over the years, and it led me to visit your church, and there's a whole story behind all of that, and now it's such an honor for Josh and I to uh, help uh, you with the WTC uh, radio network uh, uh, down in uh, in California, the radio network that you own, and uh, I, I said that wrong. It's uh, WCF. I, I've got yeah, another
2: Westside West Christian I, Fellowship radio network. Yes,
1: awesome. I've got another entity here in Bemidji that's uh, WTC. So sorry about that goof up, but anyway, West,
2: I always I always mispronounced <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. <laughs>
1: Well, we're even then. There you go. We're we're even. What I love about uh, Pastor Shane is he is a pastor, but he's informed, very informed on what's happening in the world around us, and he's very bold, but he's also so very balanced, and it's so important. So uh, God bless you for that, Shane, you and your wife, Morgan. And uh, before we do anything else, we're coming up on the 4th of July, celebrating our nation's freedom, our independence, and it's a big day, isn't it, Shane? Shane.
2: Yeah, 4th of July, you know, if we, I mean, I don't know, we don't have a lot of time, but that's when that um, independence was declared. And we feel that is when really God started to move, because that that tie was cut with Great Britain, and we were able to start initiating a lot of uh, godly legislation uh, from the Supreme Court justices to Harvard to Yale. I mean, some of those were in existence before that. But that was that, I I believe, that final nail in the coffin to really, you know, not that we did things perfectly, but it was that time to declare independence and really be that city upon a hill. So it is an important time.
1: Yeah. And, you know, God knew that, uh, you know, at the Tower of Babel, that we as fallen human beings, we would gather together into cities and nations and so forth, and that there would be trouble, uh, that it wouldn't be easy, and we had to lean on him. And that's what happened here in the united states all those years ago as our founding fathers came together under the banner of uh, biblical truth biblical worldview and had this giant experiment and it has worked so well for so long but there, it's it's not easy as we'll get into Here in a little bit and and certainly your article is about how we respond as followers of Jesus uh, In this world, you know uh, We are still free and independent because of those who have given the sacrifice and I just saw right before I called you pastor Shane Woody Williams America's last surviving World War two veteran to have received a medal of honor Passed away this morning at the age of 98 what a heritage in our nation over the years, Pastor Two, for those who have fought and died to keep this country free, it's amazing.
2: Well, well, that's and that's the thing I think a lot of people forget is they died that we would remain one nation under God, not above yeah. God. Yes. And yes. so I think it's not only a disservice to obviously God's word and how far we've drifted, but to those who actually gave their lives um, for the freedoms that we enjoy—the God-given freedoms—and yes. uh, a very important time of year for sure.
1: Your article is called, Four Surefire Ways to Handle the Insanity in Our Country. Our country that is free, and so forth. And you are out in California, so it's, you know it's sort of like you're on the front lines. A lot of things that happen in California tend to eventually drift across this nation, then bump into what's going on in New York. It's actually quite amazing but four ways to handle the insanity in our country. What prompted you to write this article, Pastor?
2: Well, a friend of mine at The Stream um, asked if I would write it, because it's it's hard to navigate these waters. I mean, we're actually in Los Angeles County, too, in California. Yes. And, I mean, the level of frustration, you can see it across the board, um, with even Christians, like, what what exactly are we supposed to do? Because this is getting pretty bad when you start to promote transgenderism in the schools and to the kids and uh the protest now that Roe v. Wade was overturned and what that what is that doing and where where are we to go with this? And um, there's extremes on both sides, you know, those who get really extreme, um that's you know, calling for a second civil war and things like that. Yeah. I don't know if that's gonna be the answer. Uh but then you have the other side where apathy. That's no big deal. You know, Jesus is coming again. Uh, yeah, but that could be a while, and we're called to do business until he returns. So um, I just narrowed it down, and they can find it on shaneidleman.com, com four biblical ways to handle the insanity in our country, and biblical ways. So, you know, what I had to do with my own life is, which is the first point, ask ourselves the hard question. What I mean by that is my spiritual apathy affecting the dire situation going on in our nation. Yes, and the sad reality is i mean i don't even want to put a number on it but millions and millions of christians true bible believing christians separating those from those who say they are but aren't they are they are missing in action where where are the the prayer meetings and the calls to praying and fasting and contending for our nation and repenting and so you know we get upset we get disgruntled we get unthankful i mean how many people moved out of california i we we have at least over 200 so far now in the last two years from our church wow just move out of california and uh, you know some rightly so i'm not necessarily opposed to that but if we stay in a state of unthankfulness and bitterness and grumbling and complaining the bible has a lot to say about that and that's not going to get us anywhere and so the first thing is to take spiritual inventory you know, is my spiritual apathy, uh, is my my lack of fervency for God, is my complaining and bickering and not being filled with the Spirit and looking more like the world than like Christ, is that contributing to our nation going down? Um, now, of course, we know, you know, the uh, um, any any nation drifting from God is going to go down. We know if we're in the end-time scenario, you know, <clears throat> we're the Titanic's been hit. But the Bible I read tells me to fight and persevere, and expose the fruitful works of darkness until Christ returns. Uh, so, spiritual apathy, unthankfulness, pride, arrogance—all of that is really, really, um, I, I think, yeah. making the church imp- impotent. Yeah. And where, where is the church of acts today? Where, where? I mean, we've got we got services down to an hour and five minutes. We have got a couple songs. Let's go eat. I mean, we've just completely lost. Uh, and my encouragement though is evan roberts i don't know if you've heard of the 1904 1905 welsh revival uh... and uh... under evan roberts but he was so distressed at the powerlessness in the churches and There was just the drunkenness and the, the fornication everything was just skyrocketing he was so depressed with just the low state of the church but god brought revival to that area that w- went into all of Wales, even into europe um, and it's it's my my encouragement is that God can bring us another spiritual awakening yes. even in the midst of tremendous darkness. And right now, that is our only hope. And yes. how you usher in a spiritual awakening is you repent and you humble yourselves and you pray and you seek God like never before.
1: You ask the question, you know, when you say ask yourself the hard question, you also ask the question, what will it take to break us? And I just, the fact of the matter is, despite all of these issues going on in our nation, there's still the majority of followers of Christ where they're not necessarily overly affected. The worst one that's affecting all of us right now is the price of gas for crying out loud. And that, you know, it's just not a serious enough issue yet to cause people to, you know, to be broken. I mean, look at 9/11 when that happened in New York. Wow. You, yeah. you know, that was so devastating that it did break people. It did bring them to their knees. The churches were full and there was people in church every single day. But it just doesn't last and I'm afraid that things have to get a whole lot worse before we'll see, you know, a mass awakening. In the church. Now, unless God has other plans, because I follow, you know, my wife and I follow you and your church very closely, Pastor, and you have these Rend the Heavens weeks. You've done it several times. And many people come out day after day to worship, to pray, to hear a short, you know, a message from either you or your associate pastor. That, you know, the hunger is there among certain people. But, of course, in your area, I think the hunger is there because, partly because of your leadership, Pastor. It does take pastors to lead in this way, doesn't it?
2: Yeah, and there's really no way around that because the church, <clears throat> going back to what you said about July 4th, seventeen seventy six or so, the the church, the pulpit really has always set the spiritual thermostat of the nation. Yes. It's always set that temperature so... If you've got, and now, you know, it's sad to say many, especially if you take all the the top-name pastors, they're not talking about anything difficult. No repentance, no sin, no judgment, no holiness of God. All these foundational truths, (laughs) they're the only way to truly wake up a nation. They're not even talking about it. When Roe v. Wade was overturned, crickets, silence. It's just you've got to wonder and and so this is the problem going on, and that's why you know we're we're out here at six dollars and fifty cents uh, for gas
1: exactly
2: and um that's been the biggest surprise for me. you know, Costco carts are full, but prayer closets are empty, um, you know hearts are not breaking we're angry, but we're not desperate, and we're mad, but we're not humble, yeah. and we're enraged, but we're not broken and so I just it just perplexes me what is it going to take to finally break a person? And you're right. that, and Unfortunately, things usually get much, much worse before people finally bend their knee to the one true and living God. And so, yeah, that's what we've been doing about every quarter, is rend the heavens from Isaiah. Oh, God, would you rend the heavens? Break open the heavens and come down and visit your people again. Give us a measure of revival in our bondage. And so... Um, people come every night of the week. So we did the first one for two weeks, and the rest about a week just straight of seeking God. And it's amazing. The spiritual atmosphere is night and day from Sundays. Yes. I mean, it's, it's, it's hard to even describe. So unless we get back to that, and I don't, we don't need a majority. You plus God is the majority. Amen. But we, we need more churches and, and leaders, obviously, seeking the heart of God, even if it's three people at the prayer meeting. God looks for that remnant. And... Um, it's definitely a trying time because I get frustrated at the lack of spiritual health in many churches, the lack of spiritual power in many. You look and you listen to the top, you know, twenty sermons. It's almost like you're you're listening to pop psychology, exactly, or the latest or the latest fad, or how to make you feel good, seven steps to financial success, twelve steps to uh, your spiritual breakthrough, <laughs> just. It just we if we miss that that repentance and crying out to God, you know, we're not going to see another spiritual awakening.
1: You rend the heavens. Uh, I don't want to call them events, but when you do that, you don't feel that the people are coming because you're guilting them into coming. I mean, I want to just help our listeners to get a grasp on what these things are. You you do lead up to them and really encourage people to come. Uh, you give powerful messages about. Uh, what uh, what it takes for a revival, that we have to draw near to God. There certainly is conviction involved, but people come, and it is true worship. It is true getting on your knees and humbling yourself before God. I, you use the word humbling more than probably any pastor I've ever heard. That is a huge part of this, isn't it? Humbling ourselves, coming before Almighty God, asking Him, for help and people really respond when you do these it's amazing
2: well that's a good question too on the i want to answer on the first part about guilting people um and i don't think so it's hard to guilt people to come to monday tuesday thursday (laughs) friday wednesday saturday you know sunday night and um, um maybe a few people but you can tell by the hunger but the fervency they're not in a hurry you know at least two hours sometimes three hour services and uh people are hungry for god but that is always the step Um, if my people humble themselves and seek my face uh, certain wicked kings would even humble themselves and god would relent josiah i see that your heart is tender you have humbled yourself before me david humbled himself Uh, without humility the lord resists you but he gives grace to those who are humble he resists the proud so we see that as actually, there's no secret sauce or, you know, secret ingredient, but that's definitely a key to revival. And that's why number two on that article I wrote is, is seek him like never before. We yeah. have to seek him like never before. And we, we know that verse, if you seek him and you'll find him, and seek him with all your heart and strength, and that word is actually a very strong word in the Hebrew. It means to find something very important that has been lost. Hmm. So... That, if you lose your child in a mall, you're not going to say, well, let me go eat lunch, and I'll look for them later. You know, but that's what's happening with God. Hmm. Well, let me, let me get to church on Sundays when I can. Let me try to squeeze in one of those nights, and let me, you know, let me pray if it fits in my schedule. That doesn't cut it. There's no such thing as lukewarm Christianity. There's no such thing as, <clears throat> of, you know, serving God on Sunday but denying Him on Monday. He's an all-consuming fire, and it's that day-to-day. Now, I haven't mastered this i still wish i could pray better i still wish i could seek him with all my heart with all my strength we don't have perfection on this side of heaven but there's got to be a desire where god is the priority he is on our calendar he is he is the appointment for the day that everything else must be scheduled around and so unless we get back to truly seeking him and i talk to men often that means you know getting off the phone getting off social media telling your ungodly friends to hit the road jack don't ever come back you know and and i'm i'm not trying to be too extreme but you've got to make some lifestyle changes Amen. porn addiction porn addiction is taking men down an apathy for god is taking them down there's no spiritual hunger they are dying spiritually and often you need to to really wake them up and say some hard things and then number 3 on that article is re- repent of prayerlessness
1: yes we yes. have
2: to repent of pr- and that's why most churches are boring and powerless because they've lost the power of prayer. And like Samson, uh, they know not that the Spirit of the Lord has departed from them. Yeah. There's just that, you know, they might think about it. When, when, Like Lena Ravenhill said, the prayer meeting is the Cinderella of the Church. She's usually, you know, given a small room in the ba- back of the building on an off night where hardly anyone will come. Hmm. The prayer meeting, and that's why we do every Sunday morning, we open the doors at 6 a.m., we're praying for a couple hours and worshiping before our services even start.
1: Yes, and you, and you take the time to really promote that. It's not just this little afterthought or a little note in the bulletin. You take the time, you know, really week in and week out, not again, not to guilt people, but just to make sure they are aware of how important it is. And because you do that as pastor, people respond. I mean, you get really big numbers for that 6 a.m. prayer meeting. That's amazing. Yeah,
2: it's, it's, uh, you know, it is a hard balance to find because people have been upset over the years that I push it too much, and they, they just think I'm, I'm you know, making them feel guilty or whatever. But I don't know. That might have more to do with conviction exactly, than me being too—I mean, can you really push prayer too much? You know, I <laughs> guess you can, but, but here's the frustration, too. That is the spiritual health of the church, and that's the spiritual health of individual Christians. So all these Christians have issues with God's will, can't hear His voice, marriage is falling apart. They're never at prayer meetings or worship nights or any of this. So at what point do pastors say, hey, you might want to, you know, consider this, that your spiritual health is plummeting because prayer is not a priority. And I I do believe in uh, prayerlessness is a sin, the sin of prayerlessness, Mm. and not really seeking God like never before. And. Uh, you know the famous verse in Second Chronicles, not Washington or Hollywood, but if my people. And that's a continual effort. Charles Spurgeon, it was said, had 100 people in the basement playing, praying during each of his services. Wow. So, you know, there's no secret that in any time God would spark a revival in, in Wells or Scotland in the 1700s or what I mentioned earlier, or New Hebrides revivals or the First Great Awakening, Second Great Awakening, uh, all these different things, they were always... Sparked. The catalyst was always prayer. 10, 15 people together crying out in a barn all night saying, God, rend us, break us, op- bend us, Lord, and, and he would answer the prayers of his people. Yeah. So without that, we're just going through the motions.
1: Second Chronicles 7.14, you know, we say it a lot. It's used every year, it seems, with the National Day of Prayer. Let's not take it for granted because it is incredibly important and powerful. But I want to back up just a little bit to that other scripture you have in your article uh, in 2 Chronicles Chronicles 15.2. You've already referred to it. The Lord is with you when you are with him. If you seek him, like you said, like uh, find what is missing, he will be found by you. But the last part, if you forsake him, he will forsake will forsake you. Shane, that is some scary stuff. We've got to really grab that, and that makes that verse incredibly important as well.
2: Yeah, and that's what's happening in our nation. You know, many, and even many you know, believers that are just quenching grief in the Spirit, they maybe haven't forsaken God, you know, as, as in regard to the faith and walked away, of course, but they have in their actions, in their attitude, in their prayerlessness... Um, and it's, it's funny you mentioned, I was just talking to a friend about the uh, uh, Day of Prayer. And I, when I studied this, uh, did you know, it, when it was first initiated, it was actually called A Day of Prayer and Fasting. Yes. And now we go to these, we eat too much, <laughs> we, we have a speaker, we sp- spend a couple minutes in prayer and we go home. That's not a prayer meeting. And I can never pray well on a full stomach. And that's why Jesus said, when you fast, yeah. when the bridegroom is taken away, my disciples will fast. Uh, prayer and fasting, Joel, sound the alarm and call a fast. Consecrate this fast. And it's starving the, the bodily appetites to just seek even more the heart of God. So we've even missed that. We, we took away the fasting part. And I talk to people about it who, who have these events, and they say, well, Shane, you know, not that many people will come then. I'm like, well, I think God's more concerned in the, smaller remnant than the full uh, uh, full masses that yes. really are praying and seeking Him like never before. There has to be some type of self-denial. And again, not talking about works-based or, look at God, I'm fasting, I, I hope it bends your arm. No, it doesn't bend His arm, but it bends my knee. Yes. I seek, you know, I don't. He doesn't love me more, but I sure love Him more. And it was just ironic for me when I studied the proclamations of, of days of prayer and fasting that we remove that, and we've also got the prayer down to a quick little 10-minute thing so it doesn't bore people, there's no spiritual life, and we're just, we're kind of going through the motions and I think fooling ourselves.
1: You know, I'm sure there are other pastors that focus on fasting, but you have made it really an important aspect at your church, and of course your ministry has expanded greatly. Frankly, there's people listening all over the nation watching you on YouTube and through the website of the church, etc., etc. Uh, and fasting is incredibly important in Scripture, and you have made it an important part of what you do. You live it out by example. I know just recently you were talking about the fact that you, you, know, you don't uh, rarely actually talk about your own personal fasts, but you called the nation to a fast recently. And uh, if you don't mind, I'm going to share that you did a 40-day fast. Uh, personally, which is incredible. And uh, I'm sure you could probably write a book just on that experience. But it's so important, the clarity, the, you know, how God responds when we do prayer and fasting. And it's a biblical promise, isn't it?
2: Yeah, and and God really woke me up to that. And not everyone has the, the same kind of callings or gifting. So God has called me, I believe, much like an Isaiah or Jeremiah, you know, calling the nation back, and yes. and part of that is humility and brokenness and repentance and fasting, and so that's that's just kind of the theme of my ministry. It doesn't mean other people have to, you know, share that same goal, but yeah, even I think I started really about ten years ago, and I would read, you know, early church fathers, and they talked about fasting often, and Paul said he was in fastings often. <laughs> And even the Didache, or Didacte, however you want to pronounce it, they would encourage fasting before you're baptized um, early, you know, and then you get into the, the Reformation period. And even, um, you know, in the 1980, uh, I'm sorry, 1800s, reading books uh, uh, from men that wrote powerful books back then, from E.M. Bounds on prayer to uh, to different um, authors and, and the revivals, and prayer and fasting, fasting was in there so often, that I, I almost couldn't believe. It. I'm like, well, where, where, where's this missing jewel? Why, <laughs> yes. why do we never talk about it? You know, we've got the majority of pastors. A lot of them are overweight, uh, and I don't say that to poke fun. I weight has always been a struggle of mine.
1: It's just the reality of it. Yeah,
2: yeah, it's just the reality of it. And we've got we've got food on every corner. We've got we're just inundated with addiction, especially with you know sugar, caffeine, nicotine, just addict. So fasting is also a form, not only of self denial but of removing those things in our life that are, are addictive, that we have to have it, we must have it. And so I think it's just, it's, it's, it's self-denial, because, you know, I mean, I don't want to talk too much on it, but everything is improved spiritually, uh, because, you know, you're, there's, it's tough, but you're seeking God, and God's breaking you, and the worship music is sweet, and you're weeping, and a lot of my articles I could just sit down and write and write and write mm-hmm. during that time. and. Uh, mental clarity, and then also, of course, physically. It yes. plays an incredible role with autophagy and, and stem cell growth and all these things that are so important for the body. So when whenever you benefit spiritually, if you're going to benefit physically as well. But yeah, they can find that YouTube, on YouTube, that 40-Day Fasting Journey. I think that's the title, 40-Day Fasting Journey. Okay. Shane Eidelman on YouTube, and it will... Um, uh, g- oh, but to answer your question, that's number four in the article, We Must Call the Nation to Repentance. Yes. So... Any time a nation was called to repentance, in our history, other, throughout biblical history, often you had prayer, fasting, and humility and repentance. And if, if you don't, if our pastors aren't calling us to repentance from time to time, I don't know what we're doing. Because we're not motivational speakers only. We are game changers. We're not just cheerleaders. We're coaches. And a pastor has to call the nation to repentance at some
1: point yes and our nation is truly being shaken and you know there's probably people thinking well wait a minute now in the last week we've had all these awesome victories you know roe versus wade there was a religious liberty victory you know gun control those sorts of things but shane i think you know and and hopefully our listeners know just because we've had a few of these sorts of victories uh, the other side is not going to sit still at all. in fact, uh they are ramping up big time, and despite those victories, our nation is about I believe to be really shaken even more and This election this fall is going to be you know incredible there's a lot going on. we need to be in prayer right now and uh really humbly come before the Lord. I think we're about to embark on a you know particularly nasty time in this nation.
2: Yeah, it's good. I think we should rejoice in those victories because how many of us have been praying for those things? And so exactly. it does seem like God is giving us a measure of grace in our disobedience. Uh, but he's also answering the prayers of the remnant. There are people fasting and praying for a nation and contending and holding the line. But, you know, if you've ever studied war, I, I like to read like on World War I or World War II and different things, one st- strategy of war is to always hit when the other side is complacent and lackadaisical and so yeah people just rest in these victories and nothing changes then you can actually lose some ground yes and i what i think amazed me most is the anger the demonic anger that you can no longer murder little children it's unbelievable i mean you know that is that is unbelievable the demonic, and look what they're, I mean, they're threatening the U.S. Supreme Court justices, they're, supr- they're threatening states. I mean, look at, to me, if this doesn't show the immaturity and the, just the demonic, I don't know what will. Yeah. Uh, and, and be very careful on what political party side you choose, because the lines are being drawn in the sand right now, I believe. Yes. Um, and even back to that, that uh, the call to pastors, did you know, you know, the Bible really calls us watchmen? And the prophet Isaiah, you know, talked about the false prophets who are blind and ignorant, and they're dumb dogs who cannot bark. That's just the Bible, Isaiah 56. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think it's that call to the watchman, to, to those who are given, given that responsibility, not to always do it. You know, you want to preach love and grace and encouragement, of course. But, you know, our silence speaks volumes. And I think too many people are confusing God's patience with his approval.
1: Yes, you have a quote from a friend of yours, Pastor Jim Garlow, that I'm sure a lot of our listeners remember, just a, a bold leader also in California. His quote is quite telling as well, isn't it?
2: Yes, he said, um, I don't remember, he, he, he said something like, bold pastors um, aren't going to look like the world, you know, they might look like they're on the wrong side of history, but they're going to be on the right side of eternity. Hmm. And that is so true.
1: Yeah, amen. Well, God can still use us. It's not too late. If we're breathing, God can use us. So uh, let's wrap up your article with just some final thoughts on it, because, again, prayer, uh, being humble, fasting and prayer, all those things, God is ready to use us. Again, as we draw near to him, he draws near to us. And when God is near to us, it's not like everything's just going to say the same. When God is near to us, look out. That means He is going to use us. He's going to open up doors for us. Right, Shane? I mean, when God is oh, near absolutely. to us, look out.
2: That's a good encouragement for your listeners. Somebody could be driving and, and right now, listening or at home, and just, you know, I, I've done too much damage. God can't use me now. Or I'm just a single mom. Or I'm just, a, you know, a dad here. I have no voice. And. Never, ever assume that, because God often uses the least likely. God yes. often uses... He took a, a kid, me, f- barely to graduate high school, and just working construction, blue-collar, and no voice whatsoever, and then I surrendered my life to Him, and He fills you with His Holy Spirit. See, that's the difference. Yes. And now, because of that, there's a boldness. There's an anointing, and you can do what God's called you to do. So even it could be in your family. It could just be on your street in your community there in Minnesota, wherever you're listening to California, and you can get back on track. You just repent and say, Lord, I'm sorry, I've been, I, I, I have, I've been apathetic. I haven't been on, on fire for you. And, Lord, would you fill me with your spirit? Show me what you want to do. And he can, he is going to turn this country around with those who are the least likely. Uh, and it might not turn around to where it's, I don't believe in a utopia, I don't believe that, you know, we're going to go back to the America, the 1940s. You know, yeah. the Titanic's been hit, but we're supposed to save as many people as possible. We're supposed to expose the unfruitful works of darkness, and God will give us a measure of revival. There will be the light shining, but here comes the darkness. It's this continual fight, and uh, God can use anyone that surrenders their life to him, the 18-year-old listening, the 16-year-old listening, the single mom, no matter who it is, and I've seen God use the least likely, uh, why is that? Because they're more dependent upon Him. They're not resting on their education, their seminary degree, their status. Oh, if we could just get LeBron James saved, or if we could just get Kanye yeah. <laughs> West to really... You know, I mean, that's not the, the answer. I mean, that'd be yeah. great, but the answer is the, the God uses those who are... What's the right word there? He's called he, those, those who are the least likely. Yes. Um, those who are... Um, Foolish by the world's standards. He uses those types of people because he gets all the glory and all the credit. It's amazing.
1: Pastor Shane Eidelman joining me here with his recent article, called Four Surefire Ways to Handle the Insanity in Our Country. You can find it at shaneidleman.com. That and so much more. And, of course, it's posted nationwide on a variety of places, including christianheadlines.com. I love a lot of the information that they have there. Maybe one last thought as we humble ourselves and pray. There will be moments where we are angry. At what's happening in our world and you often talk about that as well uh, the righteous indignation that comes up and you know there's a certain amount of that that's just going to happen even as we follow jesus and are filled with the spirit but we have to balance that don't we shane
2: well and the righteous indignation is actually a good thing because i wouldn't do much without it yeah (laughs) exactly everything's great i'm apathetic everything's going fine i mean i would get spiritually lazy So God uses that to tone up our spiritual muscle and that righteous indignation. What the key is, if I could sum up everything, it's look in the mirror and own it, seek him like never before, make prayer the all-consuming passion of your life, repent of spiritual apathy, and watch what God will do. And I often say, I think he's waiting on us more than we're waiting on him.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Awesome to talk to you, Pastor Shane Eidelman from so much, <laughs> yes, Los Angeles County, California. And it's, uh, you know, uh, it's so neat to have a connection to California. And despite all the negative things we tend to hear about California, it's still an absolutely beautiful place. And God is moving. I know you were talking the other day about a, a conference, I think it was down in San Diego, of pastors who are really on the move. There, There is exciting things for the body of Christ happening in California as well, isn't there?
2: Oh, absolutely. I mean, it's, it, for, you know, for, of course, the beast beaches and the mountains, and people just see what they see in the news, but there's a lot of, you know, your listeners know John MacArthur's close to me, Jack Hibbs and, and Rob McCoy. Uh, you know, we've got myself, David Jeremiah, and then you go down even, you know, Jim Garlow is in San Diego. There's a lot of churches contending uh, and there's a lot of even smaller churches in my area. Yes. You know, I know a good half dozen that are having prayer meetings mm. that are focusing on God, and they're seeing, they're seeing some incredible things. But we have to remember, God often doesn't do things on the large scale. He does it on the small scale first, and he gets all the credit. And then from that, that sparks the revival across our nation. And great things. I, I know some pastors in Florida and Tennessee, And I'm just hearing, you know, some amazing things going on. So don't believe the fake news too often. And uh, (laughs) and, and make sure you're, you know, just just focused on God. And I would even encourage people not to look at the media too much. Just stay buried in God's Word. That's the only only way to get clear direction during these difficult times.
1: Amen. All right. Uh, Again, shaneidleman.com. And, of course, your church website, westsidechristianfellowship.org. You can watch uh, live stream messages or past messages it's just amazing and of course an honor to be a part of your timeless truth two-minute features that are being aired at on radio stations all around the country you have a 30-minute show or uh, you know segment as well called regaining lost ground that's on many many uh, stations around the country and frankly other places around the world so god is using you and that is just uh, thank you jesus
2: and phil you've been a you've been a great blessing uh, doing that, you do the timeless truths you know I think people need to know that ah, it 's just an awesome. honor to do it. If it wasn't for you doing that i don 't think they 'd be on the radio, so God yeah. uses all of us in, in very powerful ways once we submit to it
1: yeah amen well God bless you and your family and your church you on the Fourth of July and in the future and let 's connect again soon all right
2: sounds good thanks Phil sounds good thanks Phil sounds good thanks Phil Take Touch my lips
1: yeah, I If you've enjoyed this episode of Idleman Unplugged, be sure to send us your ideas and topics for future episodes of the podcast. You can send us an email at westsidechristianfellowship.org or shaneidleman.com. Again, my name is Luke Duncan, and I am your host of Idleman Unplugged. Thank you for listening to us today, and join us again on the next episode.
0: Thank you for listening to Idleman Unplugged. For more information, visit us at shaneidleman.com. Again, that's shaneidleman.com. This podcast is part of the Edify Podcast Network. Edify is a faith-inspiring app that brings together thousands of the best Christian podcasts in one place for your listening enjoyment. Cut through the noise and grow your faith by diving into the world's top Christian podcasts today.